0: Welcome to Our True Colors, hosted by Shauna Gann. Join her as she explores the challenges of being a racial riddle, an ethnic enigma, and a cultural conundrum. Let's dive in.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Our True Colors. Yolandi is not with me this week, but she will be back in a few more weeks. She is enjoying her little one. This episode is actually the second part of a two part interview with my good friend, Amy Daniels. Amy is a master recruiter in the DC metro area, and she has been sharing her story with me of her lived experiences being a Korean woman who was adopted by white parents and grew up in a primarily white neighborhood, white school, and so on. In the second part of the interview, in the second part of her interview, Amy talks with me about dating, we talk about the guest pass, and we start talking about names, all of these really interesting things that absolutely play a part into our identities and who we are. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two. Okay. Well, let me ask you about something. So uh, we talk about identity a lot. And one of the questions that comes up in the DEI trainings that I do, or actually when I'm just working with people, you know, I want them to think about themselves in terms of their own identity, particularly for white folks, because for a very long time, whiteness wasn't even acknowledged as a race or as a culture. Everything outside of whiteness was ethnic. It's sort of like everything else that falls out of that, right? It's kind of like, When you go to the store and all the black
0: hair care products are segregated from the others. or Just like all the international food Mm -hmm. they have in the international aisle. The international. (laughs) We're just going to lump everybody. You get one aisle. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. So, you know, it's bizarre. So if you're an other or if you've been othered, you know it. Because, you know, I think about W.E.B. Du Bois who talked about the double veil of consciousness. It's a two-ness, right? You totally know who you are as a person. You recognize who you are as a person, you see your body, you know your characteristics, but then you also recognize how you're perceived and viewed by others through their lenses of Mm, whatever mm. that is or the default. Yes. And you recognize like that's not like me. I mean, not like me, Shauna, but a person, one person will say this and could think about this as they're considering how they're being viewed. Right. It's like there's this whiteness, which is the default, and then everybody else who's Mm. different color or people of color. And that term, by the way, POC, there's been a lot of discussion about that. You know, POCs, WOCs, BIPOC, like I'm still even working out where I fall in this, how much I want to use these terms. But what I want to ask you is about, you know, you growing up in a family in a white neighborhood, white family, predominantly white school and so on. When do you think you first recognized? that double veil, like who you are versus the folks who are around you. Like, this is my identity, but theirs is different.
0: Oh God, it was early. It started around the same time that when, when you get the name calling all racist names, right? That is when you then take on the, okay, this is not acceptable. So therefore I am going to look and act as white as I possibly can. Or If the situation calls for it, I turn on more of the Asian. It was performative at times. Like, we want you to be Asian now, you know? Well, it was like, it's like I've told you before. It's like at the restaurant. That's where I'm like, oh, it's comfortable because they're out of their comfort zone, right? And it's like, we're going to hide behind Amy. Like, Amy's our spokesperson. She's all things Asian. We defer to you. But when we're not in that setting, Uh then it's, you know, whitewash Amy, that's when the code switching takes place. But when you said there is like, you, the two, yeah, there's you. Oh, the double veil. The double veil. That's a completely different narrative of interaction too. Mm hmm. Yeah, but like white people in America don't have to do that. No, no, there's many things. Yeah, but I mean, like in terms of identity for so
1: long, white folks did not even see themselves as any race because it was just the norm. Like it was just the way it was.
0: It's like when I lived in New York City had a girlfriend born in Japan and spent some years there, but her family immigrated to the country like when she was still fairly young. So she grew up in American culture, but she and I were talking about dating and how just we were just tr- swapping war stories and things like that. And I remember we were talking about how there's creepy men that just like they only date like a certain kind of person, right? Like it's like I only date Asians. Like sort of fetishizing. Date- yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, why was this? Why was this? And she's like, you know, she as she said something I'll never forget. She said, you know what, Amy? She said, because when people see you, when they see me, when they see us, they don't see us first. They see our race first. Then they see us. When I see a white person, I don't say, mm, I'm going to try to, I'm thinking maybe Dutch. Their mannerisms are very you know, German. I don't know. People of color don't do that. We don't do that. White people don't do that to each other. But there's still like, before we open our mouth, because we wear our difference, I'm going to run that layer through the filters of the stereotypes that I know that I have learned. I'm going to process you through these filters. And those filters are Asian, speaks another language, has an Asian family, Probably really smart. Maybe she's an accountant. But she was right. She's like, they don't see you, they see your Asian-ness. That's what she said. She goes, they see your Asianness first, Amy, and then they see you.
1: And then they see you.
0: And that stuck with me because that will never change. I will always, in their eyes, that's who I will be first in high school. There would be a handful of um, situations where, again, all my friends were white. And whenever the topic did come up, for whatever reason, and somebody called it out like, oh, you're white, whatever. Then they would all look at me like, oh. And it was kind of like that we forgot she's, she's not white. We forgot that she's not white. So I'll do one even better. My last relationship. We were going to eat ramen. My ex was, still is, that I'm aware of, white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last time I checked. Um, and we were standing in line. And he made a joke. And he was like, oh, why is this long, line so long? He's like, don't people know like we're white? Like We need to get to the front of the line. You're kidding me. Wait, I guess better. He's like, what? He's like, duh, we're white. Why are we standing in line? But the, beyond the surface of that being a, a, all kinds of offensive, it was the word we're. Oh, my God. My mouth is open, y'all. You can't even see me. But I'm like, what? We're white. And uh-huh. even after, you know how sometimes somebody will say something and the minute it comes out of their mouth, they catch it? He still didn't catch it. And I was waiting counting one, two, three. Nope. And I was like, he's not going to say anything. So I finally looked at him and I was like, well, one of us is white. One of us is not. And he looks at me without skipping a beat. And he said, well, I mean, you're white enough. You count. Wow. Okay. But did you address the other thing? I mean, did you address that we're white and we shouldn't be standing in line or yes. the we're
1: I mean you addressed the we're but did you address I addressed it all.
0: And he had this way. That was him. a joke. Oh, of course. That was the first words I, it, he's like, Calm down, it's a joke, you know, you know I'm not da, da, da. I'm like Wow. It went beyond being hurt and angry. It was like I am in a relationship. With a man who thinks this way about me. I'm in love with a man who thinks this way about me. He thinks I'm white enough. And is that why he's with me? And as such, together, we enjoy this privilege. If you're with me, you're always going to have, like, get a pass. You know, because if I see you as white, then everybody else does too. Yeah,
1: well, that's what they call proximity to whiteness, right? And it can come in different forms. Because you look maybe white enough, or I mean, you can kind of pass. You get the ticket because you're on the arm of somebody
0: who is white, or but it was them having to tell Mm -hmm. you you had that though. Do you know what I mean? Right,
1: congratulations, and as such, you get to you get to come to the club. Well, mostly it's kind of like a guest pass. You You don't really get the pass.
0: The card holder, you know, you're you're a guest,
1: (laughs) kind of like kind of like a pool pass, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, like think of this metaphor. Okay. Like, so, you know, if you, if you live in a place where there's like an HOA or some sort of community where you get, like there's a pool, right? So you get this pass because you're a resident, but you are allowed to have guests. You're issued so many guest passes in the season, right? Yeah. You, so here I come as a guest. I'm, I'm still in this space. I'm invited to the space, but I'm not a permanent member.
0: Well, you don't have any Power. You're granted no action. You're, you're not extended the same privileges. Yeah.
1: Right. I'm going to get some of the same privileges, mm-hmm. but temporarily. Mm-hmm. I get to hang for a minute. I get to be there for a day or whatever, but I'm not fully in the club. Yeah. I'm going to be like processing that for a minute. Just oh, so many wrong things.
0: And he said it like, like you should be laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Like, isn't like, why are you not laughing? Like, it's
1: like you might have guest pass back, you know? <laughs> wow. That is just so messed up. So let's just kinda hang here for a minute, you know, stay in this space for a moment. So as you navigate white spaces and you know, you do the things, you do the thing. Well here, here's what I heard growing up. Not not so much now, because you know, people know what they're supposed to say or ask or not say and ask, whatever. But I grew up being told that like I sounded white. Oh, I that's the big one. Or like whatever. That you know? was
0: also code for white. Are you not white?
1: Why are you not white?
0: Mm-hmm. That was like, um, when my ex husband was still in the military and we moved. And at that time, I was working, um, I was working retail, but I was like management in retail, right? So at that time, I was like, hey, it'd be cool if I could keep this job because as we some of us know like if you are the spouse of an active duty military person like that is a, a struggle and a challenge right right so I knew that there was that they had this thing where you could like transfer stores right and and they as long as you know you were in good standing in the store needed people then yeah great so found out that there was a location and that I could they had an opening and they were like yeah happy to take me so the woman's name who was my manager, would be would soon to be my manager. Her name was Carolyn. Carolyn was a um, middle-aged white woman. My name is Amy Daniels. Amy Daniels. It's not Kim, Wynn, or Chan. It's not something that will just help them, you know, sort of, okay, I know. I know, I know who I'm about to meet. So I show up on the first day. And this before the internet days so she wasn't stalking your linkedin or anything no and i showed up and i think she saw a ghost like it she literally it was so difficult for her to hide just the shock this pure shock on her face was like this is very disruptive like this is not what i was expecting but instead of just Letting the visual facial expressions be her dead giveaway, right? Most people would do that in polite company, would try very hard to not visually like look shaken, but that's where they're going to end it. They're not going to say anything because they've already like somehow struggled by not hiding it. Oh no, she <laughs> sees me. Let me just add another microaggression to this encounter. Oh, this was not even a micro. This was a straight up aggression. Like this before the velvet punch. Um. So I show up and she's visibly shaken. And then she's like, well, you're not at all what I was expecting. I mean, I was speechless at that point. I'm I'm like, do I need this job? How much do I need this job? I said, well, I'm not sure what you were expecting. And she's like, well, with a name like Amy Daniels, I certainly wasn't expecting this. I thought I would... I would see little white girl with like blonde hair or something. Did she say that? Yes.
1: She actually said that.
0: She actually said it. Now, and I've thought of Carolyn often over the years. And I think to myself, I wonder how Carolyn has changed. Because to back, going back, bringing it full circle now, she probably went through that whole, okay, these are things I'm not allowed to say anymore, right? But in 1994, this was before the... Me too, and uh, you know, you still could say things like, You're not what I was expecting. You could still get away with that in parts of the South. But now I wonder how has Carolyn's communication style changed since then? You know, would she, in this day and age, if she was still working, if she's still working, What would she say? What coded language would she use? What coded language would she, what, yes. Or has she figured it out? And I sometimes wonder, like, when she saw everything unfold two years ago, did she kind of reflect and think, when have there been times where I have said or done something so stupid? Probably not. Because I think if you're saying something like that on the regular, I don't even know if that's like an exception. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And, and as I contemplate
1: Carolyn, who I do not know, mm. I think about, you know, I'm in – I'm in the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm trained. And I often tell people, like, these are things to avoid saying. These are the no-nos, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that people don't even know the history of and why it's wrong or offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the examples I give is about the term the grandfather clause. Mm-hmm. You know, people will say, like, oh, they were grandfathered, and they mm-hmm. don't know where that comes from. Well, the fact is that it had to do with when voting laws were changed and uh, – You know, white folks wanted to restrict black voting. And so basically what they would say is, okay, well, if your grandfather was someone that was allowed to vote prior to this time, then you could vote. Right. So what does that do? Mm -hmm. It sets you up. You know, for these restrictions that are being mm. put in place. But there's other terms, you know, like I watch HGTV and you hear people talk about main bedroom and primary bedroom now instead of master bedroom because that's related to slavery, right? Mm. So, yeah, you know, these things have a history. We just don't always look into them.
0: Let me ask you something about, though, on this topic. How would you approach somebody now that used that term? If you knew, like, no, I know that this person, I know that topics around diversity and inclusion are as important to them as they are to me, right? We are of the same school of thought, but they use a term to your point where they don't understand the history or um, the meaning behind it. What is the approach you would take? Would it be the velvet punch or would you use something more direct or maybe even more soft? Like, yeah.
1: Well, kind of like what you said, it all depends on context. Like, is this a person who's in the same frame of mind as me and works with me regularly? Or is this somebody that I really don't know? You know, sometimes I might do a very subtle thing like word substitution in order to model something, right? Mm. Uh, That would be a little bit of the velvet punch. (laughs) Let's say, for example, they used the word gypped or, you know, gypsy. You know, people don't really know. That that is an insult, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly um, aimed at people from Romani culture, Mm -hmm. right? If they don't know that, you know, I might say something like, well, you know, sometimes people do feel cheated whenever and then blah, blah, blah. Just use some sort of definition or word to substitute that. So I'm modeling what should be used instead of saying the offensive term. Especially if it's in front of other people. Right. I don't want to cause embarrassment or have someone um, connect embarrassment to a learning opportunity. context again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So right. context. Right. So if it's just me and this person, I've, I might like, hey, did you know where that word came from?
0: Mm-hmm. And then I
1: would kind of give the history and then they might be like, oh, oh, my God, I didn't even know. Right. And I experienced this. It was sort of a, a situation where I was learning a gender-neutral term. I was talking about my family. Uh-huh. In fact, I was talking about my nieces and nephews specifically. Uh-huh. And the person that I was talking to about this said something along the lines of, yeah, I, I'm an auntie too, and I enjoy my nibblings. Yeah, I never and I was like, nibblings? Well, that's new for me. I mean, just because I am in DEI doesn't mean I know everything, right? Like, exactly. I'm learning new things all the time. Mm-hmm. So she said this, and I was like, hmm. Nibblings, So it's a word that's more gender neutral because it's like siblings, right? It's the niece and nephew, but of your sibling or the children of your siblings. So you take the word sibling, which is also gender neutral, right? Mm. You're not saying sister or brother, you're saying siblings. Right, right. So yeah, so that's what a nibbling is. But I had never heard this word before. Mm. The person is somebody that I speak with regularly. We're definitely in the same line of work. And it was just the two of us. But rather than say something like, you know, Shauna, like you could use this one word and that would be so much more inclusive. She modeled it, Mm. right? Like I talk about my siblings too, which prompted me to say my nibbling, you know?
0: But you have to assume that people are paying attention, though, when you're modeling the behavior.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very possible I wouldn't have caught it. You know, we have that relationship. And to be honest, I didn't
0: ask her about it.
1: I I didn't go like, wait, 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 back up, back up. I was more like, hmm, let me look this up myself before I look foolish, because we also want to save face. Like, nobody wants to feel like, oh, my God, I just said the wrong thing. You know, oh, my God, I'm a DEI professional. I didn't know this. You know, we have expectations for ourselves or, you know, we are afraid of what other expectations people have for us. But mm-hmm. then, you know, if you like drop these little seeds uh, or say something in, a, in, you know, in a way that you can model it, you know, sometimes it can be more direct. Hey, you know where this came from. So I'd probably be more direct if, if someone was, you know, saying a slur or language that is truly harmful versus just, you know, kind of making a shift here and there to um, be more inclusive.
0: Yes. It happens all the time, and to your point, I do it. We all do it. We're all constantly evolving and learning. But the one that still I get, and no matter who I talk to about this, unless you are another Asian person, doesn't necessarily understand, is when I'm called Kim. Oh yeah, names. This situation typically happens when somebody has just met me; they don't know anything about me, and they will then direct a question or a conversation to me where they have to use my name and uh, they will call me Kim instead of Amy. And I've already introduced myself. Yeah, I used to try to like explain it away like, oh, maybe they know somebody whose name is Kim and they look like me. I mean, all kinds of, but when it started to happen on a regular basis in every kind of context and scenario, you can't sit there anymore and come up with, reasons as to why that might've happened. So after it happened, you know, I don't know, however many hundreds of times, I exaggerate, but it's, it was, it's been my whole life. Um, I started to ask people why, you know, I'm just, cause I was curious. Cause I knew it was conscious sub- subconscious. Right. Like it wasn't like they were sitting there like, I'm about to call her Kim. Right. But see, here's the thing. There's truth in it because um, it's not unusual to have that name. It's a common last name in Korea, right? But it's just this connection point. Well, you're I see you, you're Asian. I don't remember your name. Oh, I think it was like Kim. And sometimes it's not even that much thought that's put into it. It's just like, oh, you know, like Kim was saying. Or it's like, um, um, what was her name? Oh, oh, that girl over there, uh, Kim. I've actually had people call me like Kim, Kim. And I know I can hear them. My hearing's fine. I know they're calling me Kim, but I don't acknowledge them. And then they will come over and and like get closer. It's like, oh, did you hear me calling your name, Kim? And I was like, no, because that's not my name. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Did I call you Kim? I meant, what is your name again? I'm so sorry. It's Amy. Oh my God, I don't know where that came from. And I want to say, yeah, where did that come from? And the answers are across the board, usually it's the number one answer is, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Other times it's like, well, I really thought your name was Kim. And then I say, how many Kims do you know? Like, do you know a lot of Kims? Like, do I look like a Kim that you might know? No. Hmm. But it's like, you know, I'm just curious now. Like, where? why do you think you would have called me that? And it, it's very uncomfortable because they're like, why are we even having this conversation? Why does it matter? I made a mistake, let's move on. And it's not, I used to think when it happened a lot when I was younger, it's like, I wish if you are gonna make a mistake and call me something else, anything other than Kim, please, anything other than Kim. Because I know what that means. Because you see, like my friend Yasko said, they see your Asianness first they don't see you yeah. and then later in life as I got older when I would ask people that they would come with well I I mean is when I would say well here's why and they would they'd be like really that's odd because I would not have associated the name Kim with Asian people I'm like hmm so how about sue Pat like no Kim I mean, it's not like I've done a study. Maybe that needs to be a study. I would put money on that. The results you get, our hypotheses would be proven.
1: Yeah, so much here. Well, Amy, I know you know we have had some marathon talks, and we can go on and on. But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your time, your stories, because I know that as much as it seems like we're alone sometimes in our lived experiences. Other folks do relate. Really, there are other people out here who have experienced these things. We are made to feel like we don't belong, we don't fit in, but we we do belong and we are not alone. So thank you so much. These conversations, I think that they really mean a lot to folks who are like, oh my God, that's exactly what I'm experiencing or something similar to that. So
0: thank you for this. Thank you for letting me share my stories and vent. Yes, we need to vent sometimes. This is my therapy. That's our talk therapy. Well, anything else you want to add? No,
1: no. No. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's a wrap. (laughs) Take (laughs) care, girl. (laughs) Y'all, as Amy said, that's a wrap, at least for this episode. Thanks so much for hanging out. As always, I invite you to write to me, send me your thoughts, your questions, and so on. And if you're interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion, particularly how that can make a difference in your workplace or your interactions with folks, hit me up. You can go to truecolorsdei.com, find me on LinkedIn, and uh, yeah, let's connect. In the meantime, be safe out there, y'all. Share a smile with somebody, and when you have the opportunity, please try to make someone feel welcome. Love y'all. I'll be talking to you soon.
0: You've been listening to Our True Colors.